This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by New England Lean Consulting. New England Lean Consulting is the Northeast premier business consulting firm, helping small to medium-sized businesses implement strategic leadership and operational methodologies that help to lower costs, increase capacity, and win more customers. Their consultants provide guidance on the latest business solution, including Lean, Six Sigma, ISO, as well as energy conservation and safety compliance to help you grow your business deliberately and strategically. Through their planned methods, you'll be able to sustain and build a long-term operational excellence advantage over your competition. To contact them, go to newenglandleanconsulting.com or you can contact them by phone at 860-335-4787. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to management, those who are in the role and struggling, or even those of you who are simply kicking the tires to see if it's something for you. My name is Mac Monroe. I'm your host, the founder and CEO of Boss Builders. Today, we're actually going to talk about something called Lean. Lean is a process that is used in manufacturing, but is applicable in any industry And it's something that you as the boss, I think, would find fascinating and very useful. Our guest today is Paul Critchley. Paul Critchley is the president and CEO of New England Lean Consulting. He is from the Northeast. He's a good friend of mine. I've known Paul for a number of years. Paul is a crazy smart guy. He's got some awesome stories. And he's going to tell you what Lean is, why you should think about implementing it, some questions that you should be asking, and if you as the boss are taking this as a project, what are some things that you must focus on? He'll end up with some really good suggestions for you, and I think you're gonna find his information very valuable. So with no further delay, let's meet our guest, Paul Critchley. Paul Critchley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Max. Good to be here. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad we were able to connect. Paul, I've known you for several years now. And before I get into some questions about Lean, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your background and maybe even uh, you know the place where we met. Gosh, it's been, what, about seven years ago, I guess. Yeah, it's been a while. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a degree mechanical engineer, uh, uh, graduated and, and moved to Connecticut a week later. I've lived here ever since. So um Along the way, I worked at, you know, I worked at a bunch of different places where you and I met was at Pratt and Whitney in East Hartford. Uh, so I used to work there I, uh, and working on making jet engine parts for the United States military. Uh, along the way, I worked at night, um, got a couple of master's degrees, one in management, one in organizational leadership. So I was able to leverage those. Uh, but I spent my whole career on the shop floor as a manufacturing engineer and then an ME manager and, and plant manager, like I said, at a bunch of different places. And then uh, back in 2012, I started New England Lean Consulting, and I've been doing that ever since. That's great. Yeah. Well, the title of the podcast is, What Does the Boss Need to Know About Lean? So I think let's start at the basics. What is lean? What's it mean? And where did it come from? Sure. So a uh, good question, because uh, admittedly, it's kind of it's funny to think about, but there's a lot of misconstrue around what lean really is. So lean's just a term that was coined in a book 
called The Machine That Changed the World. And actually, if you want to be specific, uh, that term first start, first was published in a uh, an MIT paper uh, in 1988. And basically what happened was there was a team from MIT that went over to Japan in Toyota to find out how in the heck these guys were kicking the butts of the American automotive manufacturers uh, back at that time. And what they found was uh, what Toyota was doing was called the Toyota production system. So Jim Womack, Dan, uh, Dan Jones wrote a book called The Machine That Changed the World. And that's what really popularized the term lean. But really lean is just that. It's just a term. Uh, it's continuous improvement. Uh, it is a little bit different than Six Sigma, which you know maybe some of your listeners may or may not have heard of. Um, that's a little more statistical. Uh, there's also theory of constraints, but it's all basically the same stuff. And and I want to point this out. It's not really new. Uh, this stuff's been around since the Industrial Revolution and probably before. Uh, it's just a manner by which any operation, not necessarily manufacturing, but any operation or organization can go about making things operate a little bit better and more efficiently. And that's basically that's basically it. There's a lot of offshoots that you know come from that there's a lot of different tools and methods that have been developed over the you know the decades but in a nutshell that's basically what it is it's just what do you do today and how do you make it a little bit better tomorrow okay well it has its roots in manufacturing and that's kind of where i had always heard about it but i do hear that even some healthcare organizations are getting into this so how does lean impact let's just say healthcare and I mean, maybe other industries you've seen. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, if, all right. So for instance, in healthcare, I'll, I'll give you a real world example. My my father had open heart surgery last year. Uh, so I was up in Maine visiting with him, you know, staying with him. And on that floor that he was on were a bunch of other people who were also having either open heart surgery or stents put in or whatever, right? So there's X number of nurses that are there that, roam around, you know, they have the rounds that they do and they have to go take care of their patients. And probably in the week that I was there with him, you know, and I wasn't even there all day, every day, I probably saw three or four times where his nurse would come in and they have a cart and on that cart there, there's all kinds of different stuff, right? That they need. So they're in there and they're taking care of my dad and asking him questions. And like I said, three or four times, another nurse came into the room to get something off of that cart that they didn't have on the cart that they had, or maybe they didn't even have a cart. They, what I found out later was they didn't have enough carts for every nurse in every room because, you know, it's one of those things you don't, you don't need this, this stuff all the time, but the way they had, they, they hadn't balanced the workflow. And it's really hard to do that, especially in, in, in a situation like that, because you never know what patient questions patients are going to have or what you're going to need and that kind of stuff. So, they kind of just accepted it as the way it was. But from a lean person perspective, I'm watching this. And now that nurse who came into my dad's room was not with the patient that they wanted to be with. They weren't providing care. They were off right to go get gauze or blood, you know, blood pressure cuff or whatever it was that they were looking for. That's the kind of stuff that lean, that lean talks about, you know, people do their jobs uh, because that's what they, they want to do. They get some intrinsic value out of it. I'm an engineer because that's kind of how I'm hardwired. You know, teachers are the same way. Nurses are the same way. Um, and it's very frustrating for folks when they can't 
be what they really are because they have to go and they have to do all this other stuff. What we would look, you know, what I would call a wasteful activity. Well, you know, we, we try to meet up and have dinner whenever I come up to Connecticut. And I remember you telling me maybe it was a year or so ago, you had taken your family to some amusement park and we're waiting in line. And it seems like your brain is always looking for a better way to do things. I think you had mentioned you had observed how their line was going and you were going to try to reach out. So, I mean, are, you're a lean guy, but how long have you had this mindset, Paul? Uh, uh, it's it's fine. I don't think I ever told you this story, but it's been for a long time. So I'll, it's real quick. When I was in fifth grade, I got busted in in school for talking in class. So I got held in for recess. And my punishment was I will not talk in class. I had to write I will not talk in class on the chalkboard. And that gives you an idea how long ago this was because we actually had real chalk. You know, I had to write it up on the board and I had to fill the board up. So the teachers, you know, Mr. Fuller says here, this is what you need to do. I'm going to go eat my lunch. Now, recess was only like half an hour long or something. And looking back, of course, the whole idea is that it it's much more work, you know, than it's going to take, than, than time I have in recess. So I'm going to be inside the whole time. So I start writing this thing out and I quickly realized I'm like, this isn't going to work. Well, we had these things that kind of, they're like a a piece of wood and they're probably about a foot long and they have these five giant paperclip things coming off of them. And what we use these for, teachers would stick chalk in the paperclips and then they would drag it across the board to make lines. And that's how we would practice cursive up on the chalkboard. So I grabbed this thing and I loaded it up with chalk and I just wrote so I could write five sentences at once. Right. So, um, so Mr. Fuller comes back in like 10, 15 minutes and I'm basically almost done. And he, and he's just looking at me. And he starts laughing. He's like, just, just go outside. So I'm like, well, there you go. Right. So it works out. So it's been, you know, that kind of a thing. I just, for whatever reason, when I look at processes or instances, I, it's just kind of, I guess how I'm, how I'm wired in my head. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, this is designed for bosses to hear. Um, so what kind of role does the boss play into putting lean in place? And can you teach a person to think like you do? Uh, so the first first answer is a, a very large role. Uh, lean or continuous improvement starts at the top. And if if leadership and management are not supportive of it, it's not going to work. It's going to flat out fail. And I advise people and, and some clients that don't even start because you, all you're going to do is it's going to fail. And then when you want to try to do this again in three, six months, you know, a year, you're going to have a, a much larger uphill battle on your hands. Um, and so the answer to your second question is yes, absolutely. Uh, we can teach folks how to think and how to, how to see. There's actually a book written um, several years ago called Learning to See. And it's all about value stream mapping, which is a lean tool. But it's basically how do you look at a process or, you know, an organization and how they do things and look for look for waste, look for inefficiencies. Um, and that is a trainable thing. It doesn't come naturally to everybody. Uh, I'll tell you, generally, uh, engineers catch on pretty quick because that's part of almost that's almost part of our training. You know, we're we're taught to look for how to squeeze, especially in the industrial engineering section. Section um, we're kind of trained to look for how do you squeeze as much out of this process as you can. Um, but it's very important, like I said, that leadership and management are not only supportive, but they have to understand the tools and the methods. 
Um, because again, without that, they're not able to answer questions and they're not able to support and it's going to wind up, it just won't work. Okay. Well, I'm kind of curious on that note too, is, you know, has lean been widely adopted? Um, I, I guess starting in the U S and what challenges do you see and what challenges have there been? So, you know, it's funny. I, uh, you and I were chatting before we started. Uh, I just got back from speaking at a conference in San Diego for AME, which is the Association for Manufacturing Excellence. And the class I taught was on employee engagement. And one of the discussions that the class and I had was just was about just this and how it's it's funny in a not humorous way that, you know, this whole movement has been around for 30 years, yet here we are most of the way through 2018. And there are organizations that are still struggling with, you know, continuous improvement and how do we do it and how do we, how do we practice it? I, I tend to shy away from the implement, you know, word. Um, but, but the answer is no, it, it hasn't gotten that widely accepted uh, within manufacturing and certainly healthcare as well as other service industries, uh, I would say that awareness is very large and very widespread. Uh, but the number of folks who really have a good understanding of it and are actively, you know, working at it, um, I think has been within the lean community. I think we kind of recognize that it's been less than what we what we had hoped for, um, and there are lots of different reasons for that. Um, even the term lean, I'll tell you, I've heard Jim Womack speak, um, and he knows that it was, it was his books basically that popularized that term. So when I heard him speak last year, he said, you know, I wish I, I wish we hadn't used that term because when people think lean, they think skinny or they think, you know, trim the fat, um, do more with less, all that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of those things have a, almost a negative connotation because very quickly, especially with folks on the shop floor, or in the front lines of an organization, they start thinking, wait a second, I know what it takes to do this process right now. And we have 10 people and you know, you're telling me that we only need five or seven. So what's going to happen to those other three or five people? Like they're just not going to be needed. They're going to get laid off or fired or what have you. Um, and that's a, that's like rule number one of lean is you have to, you have to tell everybody and you have to mean it. Nobody's going to lose their job because we're doing these things. When you, when you, I'll say lean out a process, those people that you end up not needing, you can take and you put somewhere else. And the best thing to do with those folks is put them on another lean initiative somewhere else in your organization. And then they, right. And it, so on, and it's a, it's a momentum builder. So those things, again, you know, once over, okay, well, we're done here. Let's go over to this other manufacturing cell and so on and so forth. And that's how you build momentum. Um, so I'll tell you, we've had, I've worked for places who made that mistake. So uh, there was one particular manufacturer I'm thinking of. Um, they had a lot of different cells. They took one cell uh, to what they call gold. And six months later, that cell was uh, shipped overseas. And there were lots of business reasons, I'm told, that were the reason for that. But of course, everybody that was close to it only saw, you know, hey, they, they put all this work into it and they made the work very easy to do. And then it all went away. And that was about the last time that 
uh, folks on the shop floor and, and leadership and management saw eye to eye on exactly what Lean was there to do. Well, I guess it's going to be an uphill battle, but it seems like it makes sense. Um, I've been around long enough to see companies that go through phases like that. They And I've seen some that try to make it almost a flavor of the month. We're going to do TQM, and then we're going to do Lean, and then we're going to do process improvement. And I always see the resistance come from people that are just kind of sick of people trying to shake up the status quo. And so from your perspective, Paul, why do you think people push back on change? And is is that even a real thing or is it just something we get caught up in? Um, good question. I, I don't, it, my personal opinion, I don't think that people resist change so much as, and I forget who, who this quote came from, but um, basically it's that people don't resist change, they resist being changed. And that's where I think it's an important, you know, uh, nuance. You know, we change every day. Um, there are things that we do, of course, we all have our routines, but, um, you know, like our kids just started school, right? So we have a new routine that we have to get, get used to. And then a few weeks after that, we have two, I have two daughters and they dance. So, uh, five nights a week, you know, we have to change things. And as a consultant, you know, I'm traveling quite a bit. So there are days when, you know, I'll need my wife to do something that I would normally do and vice versa if she's busy. Right. So there's change around us all the time. Um, I think that when people have some amount of control over that change, that they're much, much more comfortable versus if, you know, I walk into an organization or, you know, a manager or a leader comes back from a conference and says, hey, guys, guess what? I found this new thing. I heard about it. It's lean. We're going to go do this. And isn't this going to be great? That's trying, you know, that's putting, forcing the change onto people. One of the things I referenced uh, in the class I just gave was WeFM, everybody's favorite radio station, and it's WIIFM. In other words, what's in it for me? And you really have to, as a boss, you have to you have to be mindful of where folks are coming from. For instance, if I'm on a shop floor, right, and I'm punching the clock and I'm running a machine, I may or may not care as as much if the company's more efficient or, you know, shareholders, if it's publicly traded are going to make more money, like that doesn't, you know, what does that do for me? That's, that's all very well and good. Now, I guess I'm happy to contribute, but me personally, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, that's true, but the same is true. You know, I can say, you know, when I walk into a shop and I say, okay, I heard you, but what if I could tell you that your life's going to get a whole heck of a lot easier? Like, you're not going to get yelled at by your boss because these things, you know, you're continuously late because you have a lot of waste in this process. And I understand you didn't put it there, but when we get all these wasteful activities out, i.e. going to look for a wrench because it's not where you need it, it's over in a toolbox and somebody moved the toolbox or they took the wrench out or whatever, right? So you lose a bunch of time every day and it's frustrating, right? Because you, when you come in, you want to just do your work, right? Yeah. Right. So that's usually the answer I'll get. I'll say, okay, well, imagine what life would be like if you walked in and everything you needed was where it was every single time. So that's, you know, they start to say, okay, I I get it. And as we implement things like point of use tooling or 5S or any of this kind of stuff, people will come back and say, you know, you know, I wasn't too sure about it because it just, it didn't sound right. Cause I, it's one of those things that sounds so simple. It's like, we, we should be doing this already. Um, 
But once we get that momentum going, they'll come back and say, you know what? You were right. And it's, you know, now I can, I actually get more done. I'm less frustrated when I leave here because nobody likes to leave work feeling like they didn't get done what they needed to or what their boss wanted them to do or what they were expected to do, right? Makes you kind of makes you feel like a little bit of a failure. And it's really hard to get up the next day and go do that all over again, right? So it's one of those things like, all right, well, we tried it that way. We know what we're going to get. Let's do something different. Let's try that. See if it's any better. And that's really all it comes down to is just that that cycle of, you know, let's try it. And if it's better, great. And that's the new norm. And then we can do something else and try it over again. Well, you convinced me. Um, I think it's it would be something important. So the last couple of questions I have are going to be for the boss. So let's first talk about the boss who has listened to this and says, yeah, we need to put this in place. What advice would you give them? And then I'm going to have a follow-on question to that. Okay. So I guess first things first is make sure you get your people on board. And when I say on board, I mean invested. And, and, and invested is even beyond bought in. So invested to me means, you know, here's this idea and it might be foreign to you, but here's what I'm thinking. But then you, they had, the boss has to ask this question, but what do you think? And then they have to shut up and listen to what they're going to hear back. The people who do the work every single day know what needs to be done. Sometimes they need to be prompted with the right questions in order to pull it out of them. But they know, they live they live the pain every single day. A lot of times, you know, they're just used to it. So, you know, another important question bosses can ask is, "Well, why do you do it that way?" Uh, even, even before I was a consultant, when I was in industry, I can tell you that was one of my most powerful questions because a lot of times the answer would be, well, because that's the way we've always done it. Okay. Well, why? And then I jump into it with five whys. Well, why, why is that? Why is that? You know, and I can't tell you there's, there's numerous times where we get down to the bottom of it and there really was no good reason. Uh, that person had been trained to do it that way. And the person who trained them was long gone. Um, and that's just their per had maybe had been their personal preference. So that's the way they taught folks and, you know, it worked and it was fine. So that's just the way everybody kept doing it and they never made any improvements. Um, so really it's, it's getting investment from your people by talking to them, asking them questions and listening to their answers. Well, then let's, let's address what happens when you've done that hard work and now you've implemented lean and, you know, I see this a lot too. The initial phase is exciting and we're seeing change. And then you kind of get it to where it's that, that space where no one's thinking about it. What can the boss do to keep the momentum going? So that's a very good question because I'll tell you, sustainment is the hardest part because you're right. It's when it's a new and shiny thing, everyone's very excited about it. Um, and you get a, you get a little sugar rush kind of at the beginning. And then after that wears off, it's, it can turn, it, sometimes it can turn into a bit of a grind. So, and that's, a, you know, that's up to the boss and they have to help combat that. So it's all about their language. You know, what, you know, are they out there? What I would call doing Gemba walks, which is a, a Japanese term, but it's loosely translated to go and see, you know, where the work is actually happening. They got to make sure that they're out there and they're visible and they have to make sure that they're maintaining you know, the same language that, the, you know, to, to reiterate these things, guys, this, this is important. I do recognize that you're still, 
you know, you're still working at it. You're still trying. And that's, that's all I ask, right? It's, it's all you got to do is make it a little bit better today than it was yesterday. Um, I just quoted this cause I am a, I am a Sox fan. Um, so I'm very excited, right? We just won the world series, but I always say, so I reference this in the class I just gave lean is small ball. You know, we get excited about home runs, but nine times out of 10, you're winning the, uh, a ball game by through doubles and singles. And that's what lean is. Lean is stringing together a lot of doubles and singles. In other words, small improvements along the way. And then a month, two, three, six you know, months down the line, you'll look back and you think, wow, we actually have come a long way. It's, it's a lot less, you know, we, we do hit home runs every once in a while, um, but you can't count on those. And, and then, like I said, it can turn into a grind, but it's a matter of, again, leadership being visible out on the floor, keeping people's attitudes you know, in a, in a positive place. And then you got to celebrate the wins, no matter how small, if you, I'm a big, uh, big fan of uh, KPIs, key performance indicators or just goals, um, publish those things, put them on a big chart out on the shop floor and say, guys, this is what we need for, you know, efficiency or sales or whatever your goal is. And if we hit it, you know, I'll have the ice cream truck come in. Uh, I've had, uh, up around here, we have a, a converted fire truck that a guy turned into a, uh, a pizza oven. So we had them come one time, uh, after we hit a goal. So it's just, just stuff like that. People just want to know that you see what they're doing and that you appreciate them. You know, people don't generally don't leave jobs because of money. That's usually like the third reason. A lot of times it's because they couldn't get along with their boss because they were micromanaged or they just, they, they didn't feel like they were making a difference. They didn't feel like anybody cared. So you know, three and a half million Americans quit their job every month. And you think about the waste that that generates between having to go find a replacement person, get them trained. You know, do you even have good training documents? Because a lot of organizations don't because they never took the time. You know, that's a lot of churn to try to overcome. And with a few small tweaks, we could avoid all of those, you know, delays and costs and all that stuff. So that's kind of how I try to approach it when we talk about, you know, what can the boss do? That's great. Well, it sounds like a lot of this is something that is just good management tools, but I love the idea of the formal process. So, Paul, you really are the guy to work with an organization that wants to implement this. So how can my listeners get a hold of you? How can they find out a little bit more about what your process looks like? So definitely, uh, hook, you know, look us up on the interwebs. It's uh, New England Lean dot com. That's all one word. And my personal email is paul at newenglandlean.com. Um, and always have, I mean, uh, I had 38 people in the class and I handed out cards to every one of them. And I said, you know, you know, read our case studies, read my blog. Um, we try to post there quite often and, and try to make them fun. They're not, uh, you know, they're not preachy and they're not necessarily tool oriented. It's, these are all stories from me and the, and the folks that work here that we've encountered and, and some of them actually can be pretty entertaining. So we try to, you know, we try to make it fun, right? Because it's supposed to be, that's what, you know, we're all, you know, we, we spend more hours with our coworkers Monday through Friday than we do our own families. So it's, it's good to try to, you know, infuse a little humor in there. So, so I'd encourage them to, you know, look us up there and then, and then feel free to reach out. I'm always glad to, to chat and trade ideas. Uh, I, you know, I do this cause I love it. So if I can help, I will. 
Well, Paul, thank you so much for spending your time with us on the show. I know you came in at two in the morning, so you're running on low fumes right now. But uh, thank you for sharing your advice and opinions. And I can just, uh, I've known Paul for a while. He's the real deal. So please connect with him. Paul, enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for being on our show. Thanks, Mac. I enjoyed it. Well, and a special thanks again to our guest, Paul Critchley from New England Lean Consulting. You can reach him also by phone at 860-335-4787. As the boss, you know that your learning and development never ends. And so before we hang up this week, why don't we talk a little bit about what we can offer you here at Boss Builders? We have four offerings that may be valuable for you. Number one is our on-site driving results workshops. Those are on-site by our facilitators in your backyard you can have your people come, do it in any methodology you want, half day, full day, three days, whatever you want. Second offering, of course, is our Boss Builder Academy, our video-driven series. Uh, really practical if you're busy and don't have a lot of time for in-class work. Third option, of course, is we license our driving results curriculum. If you have a training staff and no material, why not contact us? You can license our materials, our tools, our models, the very same things that we talk about a lot on our podcast. And finally, there's an individual subscriber model that you can use, individual per month, also, by the way, available in Spanish. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you are listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or Google, please take a moment and leave us a review. We would be grateful. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, and boss on. Goodbye.